You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Hutton with Velarde stripping the puck and after the CU dancing, he scores! Andreas after the CU, what a finish! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Lazat battling against Jones, wins the puck, here's Trevor Moore, Moore centers, Kempe scores! He's got another one! Adrian Kempe will not be denied! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter is four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. Well, that's back-to-back series where the Kings took three out of a possible four points from their opponent, but could have and probably should have taken all four and left their opponent with none. But, you guys, if you told me before the season started that the Kings would be in fifth place, three games over 500 with a potent power play, Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy all on pace for career seasons while they were successfully rotating a bunch of rookies in and out of the lineup, yeah, I would have happily taken that, uh, and I would have counted myself lucky to have the chance. Uh, we're balancing the positives and the negatives today, and I brought in some longtime fans to help us do it. Well, I wish I could say it was two wins against the Ducks. It should have been two wins against the Ducks, but three out of four points. Joining me to talk about the two-game series between the Kings and the Ducks, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing well, Jesse. It's good to see some scoring. That's right. And from the Bannermen podcast, another podcast about the LA Kings. If you have not yet checked it out or follow them on Twitter, I recommend you do that. That is a Bannermen podcast, uh, the Bannermen pod on Twitter, uh, bannermenpodcast.com. We have Carl Blicken. How are you doing today, Carl? I am doing great, Jesse. And as far as I'm concerned, it was two wins. <laughs> that's, that's what I like to hear. And, uh, and Vardy Gerbian, how are you doing today, Vardy? Great, man. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, I have a tendency to yell at my phone when I'm listening to podcasts, especially when I'm listening to podcasts that I care, you know, that cover a subject that I care about. When I hear say when I hear someone say something I disagree with, I yell at my phone. And I think I've told you guys previously, I tend not to yell at my phone when I'm listening to you guys. So bravo. Uh, it's good stuff. Good kicks. High coverage. praise. Thank you. Thank I, you, you know. And I love the segment you do where uh, you throw out the episode numbers and then you try and uh, think of players <laughs> who have worn that number jersey. It's always a fun time. And I always get very mad if you guys beat me to it first. Um, <laughs> I can't stand it. So anyway, having said that, we're going to jump into this game between the Kings and the Ducks. And I want to get to one piece of trivia that blew my mind, Caro and Vardy and Jack. And I couldn't believe that it was true. And that is that Adrian Kempe's hat trick in the first game is the first time a King has scored a hat trick against the Ducks. How is that even possible? <laughs> Caro, it can't, it cannot be true. You know, I thought it wasn't true as well, even though it was on a, <laughs> it was, it was on a NHL program. So I assume. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty stunning that the number of games these teams have played against each other, the number of high end players they've had since the ducks came into the league. Yeah. The fact that no King was able to put three past GA bear 
is pretty is pretty yeah, like stunning too. But they've but they've had some stinkers in that. Yeah, but I mean Vardy, like to Caro's point, Gretzky, Curry, Robotai, Palfi, Kopitar. <laughs> like I don't have a calculator in front of me. I'm not going to add up all those career goals, but all of those names pale in comparison to Adrian Kempe now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that is right. The numbers do not lie. No, no, they clearly don't. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about. I uh, just wanted to get that out of the way because, like I said, I couldn't wrap my head around it. But Jack, in the uh, in the past uh, week or so, you know, it we have seen some quote unquote disappointing games. But as I've said to a couple people now, if your disappointing games are overtime losses where you're picking up a point and you're making big comebacks or you're scoring five goals it's hard to be too disappointed given where this team is in the rebuilding process. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that we lose a little bit perspective of, you know, this is a team that wasn't necessarily supposed to be in the playoff race. And um, as Jim Fox has touched on many times, you know, he wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they did make the playoffs and he wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. So you get, you, you go back to that view of things and, you know, the Kings have uh, exceeded expectations, I would say so far. And I think it's the consistent contributions from guys not named Kopitar, even though he's doing great and he's leading, you know, all categories on the Kings right now. But, you know, you take into consideration, you know, what we had going into the season and where we are now, I think uh, a five to one victory over Anaheim and unfortunately an overtime loss prior is, you know, three out of four on the road is, is something that we will take uh, anytime we uh, set out and, and leave Staples Center. Or you and I were chatting before we started recording and you, it sounded like you were even surprised that you were saying it, that you're, uh, you're very positive about this team right now. Yeah, I am very positive about this team. I can, the good thing is even in their You losses, still sound surprised by the way. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> stunned. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but you can find so many positive things in so many of the losses from this team this season. And I think that's the most encouraging thing. Like I love this team's medal. I love their resolve. They're a young team. And, and we've mentioned this on our show many times. There's been so many opportunities this season where they could have basically folded up shop, called it a day, taken the loss. Uh, specifically that last road, last game on the road trip against Minnesota. I felt like it was a perfect opportunity for a young team to be like, hey, we're satisfied with ourselves. Let's go home. And they didn't. They fought back. And that kind of goes into what happened in the first game against the Ducks. Again, it was one of those situations where they kept fighting back um, and it's just great to see. And I feel really good. Certainly the game itself was kind of a stinker. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you that it was a masterpiece or anything like that, <laughs> but I do love their, their resilience. And for a young team, it's hard to teach that. And it's, I'm very happy they have that. Vardy, do you, uh, you agree with Carl there? I mean, it's hard not to, it really is. No, I'm serious. It's, it's hard not to, you know, if you, if you compare to, I think, especially how the season started, um, we were pretty doom and gloom, you know, the first handful of games, I just really wasn't seeing anything from one game to the next that I felt like they could really build on. And as they slowly got some guys back from injury, from COVID protocol, um, and especially, you know, once, once everything kind of coalesced, I felt like they were starting to build on things. And then obviously they suffered some injuries, some serious injuries to Roy and Walker. And, and I felt like that set them back quite a bit. Um, so once I, I feel like once this team is healthy, they're, they have something there. There's, there's definitely the essence of something there from game to game. And, 
you know, to Jack's point, it's not, it's not the same guys. I mean, yes, Kobe Brown, you know, Drew, they're having great seasons, but I feel like every game there's a second level of scoring that's showing up. It's either Velarde's having a great night or these last two, you know, you're having Kempe contribute. And so I, for a season that I'm not really sure we knew what we were going to get when it started, it's, it's gone in such a great direction. I feel like over the course of the last 20, 20, what is it? 25 games now, 24 games. I think it's 25. I think 25. Um, I tweeted out sort of tongue in cheek, I guess, that the Kings' biggest rival right now was the LA Kings after that first game against Anaheim because it feels to me like, I mean, we've this has been said by a number of different people, but they're in every game, right? There was one game against Vegas, I guess, where they it was five to nothing and they sort of had to claw their way back into it. But other than that, I think they've been in most stages of most games, right? There's been one or two where they've had to come from a, a serious deficit but most of the time if you check in on the score they're sort of right there and and the mistakes they're getting beaten on their own mistakes right they're they're unforced errors you know whether it's a pass up the middle that get you know is a turnover that gets a goal against or it's a goalie trying to play the puck behind the net and it doesn't work out or they can't clear the zone for you right like it, it's fixable things right it's not oh you know ryan gets just owned him and there's nothing you can do because that guy's really tremendous or sometimes they run into a good goalie i suppose but um, but to me, it just points to the fact that the roster construction is super important. And so we see in the Anaheim games, um, you know, you see Adrian Kempe, for example, reunited with Blake Lazotte and Trevor Moore. Now, I don't think that's the, I don't think it's as effective a line as with Wagner on that wing, but I think it's been getting more effective, no pun intended. And I think Trevor Moore has been improving his game. And then we see, you know, over the two games against Anaheim, Adrian Kempe, fire in five goals um now some of those are on the power play it's not all because of his play with Lazat and more and it is a small sample size and it is a weaker opponent to be sure but to your point Vardy about not seeing much earlier in the season I think they were still trying to figure out who plays with who right in those first two I don't remember how many games it was but they had Lazat centering Carter and Athanasiu right and I think I don't think anybody would argue that that's the, the way to go now yeah yeah and, and I think I think they're still trying to figure it out I think you know every time I feel like they have something figured out another guy gets hurt you mm-hmm. know you we had spoken briefly via Twitter that you know they had something humming there with with Anderson Dolan centering Grunstrom and more and then all of a sudden you know Anderson Dolan's out for an extended period of time unclear when he's coming back okay so now we got to figure out what we're going to do Lazat came back after a short absence, wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot initially, making some mistakes. And now the last two games, I feel like he's really been working and getting back to that game that makes him super effective. Even today, uh, Kempe's second goal completely set up because Lazat was tenacious, created a turnover at the blue line. And then Moore, you know, had the patience and the wherewithal to hold on with the puck as he was driving to the net and caught Kempe coming through on the slot. I mean, that's that's just a great hockey play all around from all three of those guys. Jack, we saw Kupari uh, play in the first game against Anaheim, sent back to Ontario for the second one. Um, I realize we're stretching back outside of the Duck series to talk about Kupari, but we didn't really cover the Blues one on the podcast yet. So, what did you think about Kupari? Excuse me. <clears throat> what did you think about Kupari? What did you see that you liked from him, and what do you think maybe he needs to work on? Well, I mean, I think the first thing I want to touch on with Kupari is uh, the amount, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to talk to John Robleski, the mm. Ontario Rain head coach. And 
a lot of conversation, whether it's post game or just media availability in general with Robo has been, uh, you know, covering Kupari and him wanting to round out his game a little bit more. And, you know, he won't divulge all the secrets on where he wants to see Kupari improve, but McClellan referenced the same exact thing. And I think, you know, in the, the limited amount of ice time and, and games that we saw Rasmus, we saw his ability to compete and his skill level, but we also saw his, you know, maybe his inability or inexperience on the defensive end going up against bigger, stronger centermen or, or whoever it may be in front of the net. You know, unfortunately, he took a few penalties and, and lost a few battles in front of the net. Uh, but I think, you know, right there is something that proves to be a great learning opportunity. And for guys, you know, like Rasmus, who aren't going to be, you know, your Connor McDavid's, but they are first round draft picks who you expect to make it to the NHL one day. You know, if they are indeed that guy, they understand what they learned at the NHL level. They go back to the AHL, they fix that, they work on it, and then they're ready to handle that when they get back up again. Carl, I'm looking at the stats over the two games against Anaheim. Mikey Anderson, the only player in both games not to be on the ice for a goal against. Um, I, I asked him, I sort of pitched him a softball question. I just kind of wanted to see how he'd answer it. And I asked him, you know, uh, yeah, you're the only guy on the ice, you know, 11 goals scored in that first game. The only guy that didn't have one scored against him. You know, you're proud of that. And he gave me like a perfect Rob Scuderi, Jonathan quick yeah. answer. You know, team's real good. The team plays great. It's a team stat. You know, I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just trying to, you know, hand off a good shift to the next guys. Like, is he part of that, of that um, positivity you're feeling about the team right now? Absolutely. And that's, you know, he's such a mature player and his game is much more mature than I initially anticipated it would be. Um, and I think, you know, that starts, that starts from how he handles himself off the ice. Obviously you guys have a better idea of that, but from everything I've heard from him, everything he said, he seems to say the right things. And most of the time he's at the very least trying to do the right thing. So that's very encouraging. And overall this Kings defense um, is another aspect of the team that surprised me. He's not in the lineup currently, but I think Austin Strand as well has surprised me a lot. So now what the exciting part is now, as Dean Lombardi introduced us years ago, now you're seeing boxes kind of fill in, whether it be in the bottom six, whether it be on the defensive pairings. Now you see guys actually being a threat to fill those boxes long-term. Mikey's one of them. Jared Anderson Dolan's another one. So I think that plays a huge part in my positivity because now you kind of see a picture. A picture is being painted of where this team's going to be uh, in a couple of years, maybe even as early as next year. All right. I've been having this, con this conversation has been way too, I've, this is my fault. I've, this has been way too formal and way too polite. And I'm, I apologize. This is not what my intention of having you guys <laughs> to do this. So Vardy, that first game, um, I mean, it felt to me like, honestly, the worst two games of the season have come against the Ducks, right? There's that first loss. And then there was the first game <laughs> in this series. Um, how pissed were you just as a Kings fan that like another stupid game against the Ducks? <laughs> You, you seem to know uh <laughs> you seem to know who brings a fire on these all right then <laughs> he's done his research <laughs> um i was irate truthfully yeah. if all you right, need good. to know if you need to know okay there's no reason that the ducks team should be potting six goals on on this team i agree i'm sorry i i don't care how young the defense is i don't care what the situation is there's no reason they should be able to put six up against us and you know the starts and the starts and ends for this team for every game have been 
just awful to watch. It was one of the, it was one of the best parts about tonight is that they didn't get scored against in the first period. It was so nice <laughs> to see them actually show up and and lock it down and and, and play with a little bit of pride in that because it, it just seems like they're they're an hour late to every game. I, I don't know how to describe it. They show up and before you know it, it's a goal against them. And you know maybe not not Peterson's sharpest game. Honestly, I've but I can't, I can't blame him. I can't, yeah. I honestly can't. Like there were so many, just like the things you talked about, you know, these, these terrible turnovers, these, these like up the slot passes and, and they're not even like good attempts at up the slot passes. <laughs> they're just like, they're these weak, I don't know, like, like saucer passes up the slot, you know, things that, things that even in juniors, you, you grab some bench for doing something like that. So I just, I, I can't figure out why that happens from game to game. I can't figure out if it's because they're playing to the level of their opponent, whether they think they're going to show up and they're going to, you know, easily walk over some team. And that's fine if that happens against Anaheim, but it happens against every single team they play against. So this is the tough spot that I find myself in trying to make sense of it. And Jack and I have talked about it a number of times already this year, which is to me, it's, it's as simple as, you know, I should say it's overly simplistic to say this, but it's coaching, right? Like too many men on the ice penalties in the first shift of the game. Horrible. Horrible. You know, not not showing up offensive zone penalties, giving even tonight, right? Giving up a goal seven seconds after scoring one. Um, there are these moments that are, there's a phrase that I uh, love that I learned working at Nordstrom's of all places, which is it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility, right? Like if, if, if there's just a mistake that's out of your control, but you're the one who has to clean it up, like, okay, nobody's blaming you. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And things like that are the responsibility of a coaching staff. Um, so it's tough not to look at the coaching staff and say, okay, we're now 25 games into the season. There are these five guys who have won the cup twice. Um, and to your point, they're still sort of an hour late to the game. Whereas McClellan said it after the first game, half the guys still aren't ready and the game's already over. Um, so Jack will get to you in a second with the same question, but Caro first for you, is it cup is half empty that they find themselves in these holes or cup is half full that the coaching staff is able to get them to climb out of it time and time again. Like if they were just losing, you know, if they were the Ontario rain right now, you know, and they were <laughs> five and 20 or whatever it is. Right. Then you just go like, okay, yeah. You something. get me started, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Say there's something wrong here, but, but, but they're not I feel right? triggered. <laughs> But they're fighting their way back into these games. So is it a positive or is it a negative? Or is it both? I don't know. See, this is why our podcast works, Jesse. He's, <laughs> he's always negative. Sure. Um, and this year, I'm always positive. Man. Perfect. <laughs> Glass half full, for sure. Again, these things are going to happen. These are growing pains to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, the coaching staff is responsible. But a lot of it is still on the players at the end of the day. Um, the the glass half full part clearly is after that game, after that first Anaheim game, after those egregious errors by Walker and Mata and like make your eyes bleed sometimes they're so bad <laughs> but what happens next game they come out like we just talked about like we already just mentioned first period you could tell they're in the game you could tell there's a different start to the game the starts have been a problem they start the right way you know even the situation where you know in the second period they had all these chances and you're like oh no they hit the post Kopi misses a breakaway uh, they don't convert on two power plays and you know, you're kind of worried because you've seen this movie before. When they have these chances, they're not converting. You get that sinking feeling in your stomach. But what happens? Kopi gets the power play goal and, you know, off they go. So definitely the glasses have full for me. There's 
the bounce back stuff is, is something that really impresses me. These are things, those little things, the intangible things you can't really manufacture. I think it's either in players, it's in the character of these guys when you draft them, when you trade for them, when you acquire them. And I think this team has it, man. And that's why I can't help but be positive uh, about all of it, really. Jack, I'm going to actually pivot and not ask you the same question. I'm going to ask you a different, more specific question. Um, without getting into specific players, because I think we all know, or if we want to know, we know um, who McClellan was talking about uh, in the first game when he said, you know, half the team wasn't ready. Like, you can just look at the shift charts and, and you know, some of the stat lines. and you Speaks for itself. If, that is, if you didn't watch the game and don't know just from watching it. <laughs> um but I'm curious if you do you feel like that message was received? Like were the guy, you know, there was a couple line changes or, or lineup changes, but some of the guys were in the lineup from the first game. Do you think you feel like the guys that weren't ready in game one were pretty clearly ready in game two? Well, I mean, Carl touched on it a little bit, and the response was immediate. You know, the the up tempo start, and you know, they didn't show up late today. Like uh, both Vardy and Carl talked about is you know they weren't an hour late, and McClellan's addressed it many times, but. You know, we go back to talking about that coaching situation and, you know, you look at how well coached or how well the team played today or tonight in the second game of the, the Anaheim series. And it was domination from end to end, you know, they didn't turn the puck over. They didn't give Anaheim the puck in, in bad situations. Uh, but then why didn't that happen in the previous game? So that's where it's, it's a matter of, you know, I love what we see when things are clicking in McClellan's game with the one three one in the neutral zone and his ability to create offense and, and speed from, from the roster. But then again, you flip it the other way around and, you know, all of a sudden we're having these games, there's these slow starts. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, is it McClellan's job to have these guys ready to go? Absolutely. But is it, you know, the leaders within the locker room to have these guys ready to go as well. And that's, that's a yes too. So, you know, somewhere along, you know, the line, something's lacking because they keep making these mistakes and putting themselves into divots. Fortunately, we didn't see that tonight. We did see it against Stanheim in the first game. Um, but to be brutally honest, you're not going to make the playoffs if this continues to happen, no matter how well some of the secondary guys are playing compared to what we've been used to seeing. So I have a crazy theory that I'm going to pitch you guys. You can tell me how crazy it is, or if you agree with me. Um, this is a this is a common. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this theory isn't that crazy though. Um, so Kopitar, okay. Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy were brought into this organization as young men, right? They were drafted and developed by the organization, and placed around them were the kinds of players that we are talking about. You know, when Todd McClellan says no houseplants, um, Willie Mitchell, Justin Williams, Jarrett Stoll, Matt Green, Mike Richards, um, Jonathan Quick, you know, Rob Scuderi, like these guys are not houseplants, right? Kyle Clifford, Trevor Lewis, those guys are all gone. And so without criticizing the job that Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy and Carter are doing, because obviously you see the shots of them talking to the players on the bench. You hear the interviews with the, with guys like Jared Anderson Dolan or Carl Grunstrom or Mikey Anderson saying, you know, these players have spoken to me. They've given me advice. They've talked to me. So we know there are conversations happening. We know that the leadership, you know, that the cup five or whatever you want to call them, we know that they're engaging with the younger players, but I wonder, you know, in the moments before a game starts, 
you know, in a moment where maybe you'd have a guy in the hallway bashing everybody on the head as they walk by or punching them in the butt, you know, whatever it is, right? Like you see those clips of guys hyping each other up before they get on the ice. I don't think that's what those, I don't, maybe Dowdy, but I don't think Brown and Kopitar are that kind of player. Um, and so I wonder if maybe the coaching staff is trying to let the players, you know, police themselves when it comes to getting hyped before a game. And I wonder if there just isn't anybody, you know, if guys like Velarde and Anderson and Grunstrom and Jad and whoever it is, like maybe those guys don't feel comfortable taking over a room yet. Don't feel comfortable in a quiet moment saying like, why are we quiet? Let's get hyped. It's the ducks. You know, like we can do this. We just came back against St. Louis. And so you go out there and, and before you know it, it's two to nothing or three to nothing. And then, and then right. The winning pedigree comes in. Then the guys, you know, how to come back and then, you know, then it starts, but I'm wondering, you know, Vardy, what do you think? Am I, am I just inventing narratives to, <laughs> to make sense of it all? I mean, I would love to believe that that's the case. Cause if it's that easy, I mean, you just, you find a hype man, you know right. what I mean? Like you find, <laughs> sure. You, you find a guy, I don't know who it is, but you find the guy who's yeah. going to get them hyped because but I, I just, I don't see it as being unfortunately that easy. I just really don't like it, it's, it's, it's just something I, I, I mean, they're, they're kind of a quiet bunch in general, I guess, really of all the names that you've mentioned here. And even all the guys that I know that, you know, from what I've seen in interviews, really doubt is the only one that comes to mind is, is kind of rah, rah in that way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But that's, I mean, those same quiet guys are able to kind of pull it together mid game. I just don't understand why, it can't happen before the game start. And, and to Jack's point, like this is exactly how you're going to end up missing the playoffs. I mean, they have last I checked, I think they had six overtime losses. That's that's second in the league and it's tied with Anaheim and just one behind Montreal. Like you win half of those and you're, you're right up in there, man. You're right up in that race. It's especially in a season like this, where every team you play is in the same race as you are. Exactly. Um, exactly. Everything's a four point game. Jack, we had a conversation two years ago last year i don't remember about pilots versus passengers do you remember that sure we'll go all right all right <laughs> but i mean but the idea was that that regardless of talent level there are some guys right who are pilots and there's some guys who are passengers and so despite all the conversations about drew dowdy and his you know improving leadership skills and whatever like drew dowdy's passenger he's you know he's the guy in the backseat making sure everybody's having fun but he's not the guy driving the car um so, I mean, I guess that's a sort of oversimplified way of, of asking Vardy what I just did, but I'll just ask you, like, do you see anybody in the young group of kids that may potentially be a pilot? Because we keep hearing about Mikey Anderson and how mature and, you know, intellectual he is, and I agree, and I think he's great, but I don't see him whipping the team into a frenzy in a moment when it needs, and that's not a, like, that is not a criticism of him, of him, not everybody can be that kind of player, but do you are there any players that leap out to you as being potentially that kind of player? Because I can only see one. Well, I mean, I don't think we have any of those potential guys that can do it, say, this year. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of credibility and uh, their ability to be able to have a voice comes with time, as expected. And of the young guys, uh, you know, I think Velarde has an opportunity if he can continue to play consistently uh effective and or just contribute on a consistent basis a little bit more to to be that guy up front but but everyone else you know as we've kind of touched on is much more of a passenger we don't have that you know that kyle clifford that you know that muzzin who isn't necessarily you know the the vocal leader but you've got a guy who's going to step up and 
and make sure that everyone's put in place, whether it's your team or the team you're playing against. Uh, and for the Kings to not have that right now, I think they're hoping that that'll come with time, whether it becomes a Mikey Anderson or, or someone within you know, the bottom six right now, or even in the AHL that can step up and be that vocal guy and that leader um, that isn't afraid of anybody. But right now you've got a Kings roster that's um, extremely talented, but uh, again, a, a Kings roster that doesn't have a guy that's, uh, you know, everyone shut up when I'm about to talk other than those, those, those big wigs, but they're a little soft-spoken in terms of what you'd want in a, in a quote unquote perfect world within your roster. All right, I keep doing this. I keep steering the conversation down negative, serious tones. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on the Duck series. They they won. They picked up three points. So, Carl, let's talk. Let's just talk about the last two games, Kings Ducks. Um, you know, obviously the first game disappointing. They didn't pick up the win, but uh, ten goals against the Ducks in two games, like that, always feels good, right? <laughs> yeah, unless you're John Gibson, it feels sure. really good. Sure, and you know. Far be it for me to I feel, feel bad. Feel bad for an I, 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 <laughs> I feel so bad for John Gibson, man. He deserves so much better. Um, <laughs> and I know this is a Kings podcast, but that's ten straight stars that he's given up three or more goals. Uh, and he started the season off on fire, if you guys remember. So yeah, um, he might be looking for an exit, although it's not entirely up to him. Um, but yeah, it's, of course, it's to see this offensive explosion for the Kings is outstanding. Uh, we touched on you can't allow six goals. Uh, when you allow one, good things happen, like tonight. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned Troy Grosnick yet, and I'm sure we were at some point going to do that. But, again, for this team showing up for their goalie, it, it, it goes back to my character narrative. Jesse, I like narratives too. Um, so that's that's what I that's my big takeaway from these two games. The bounce back, the character, you know, hockey players, and, and this is also kind of touches on – on your uh, rah-rah thing, hockey players are usually, you know, good people, pretty quiet, pretty well put together. I don't know if but, I agree with that, but all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the character is always there, man. And um, I was very impressed with that. I don't remember who, I think might have been Zach Dooley asked uh, Tom McClellan in the post-game availability after the second game if he felt like the team protected Troy Grosnick um and Todd said yeah like of course they did and it reminded me a little bit of when Peter Budai was in there right everybody talked about oh my god Peter Budai was incredible it's like yes he did a great job but he also had an entire team <laughs> literally alter the way they played defense in order to he was to tied for the league he was, no, he was tied great. for the league lead and shutouts at one I understand point, but every see. now and then when Jonathan Quick says you know <laughs> it's a team award or whatever when he's talking about you know a strong goalie play like it is and they they, they helped him out a ton. Um, but Vardy, I mean, how, I mean, even your, uh, even your negativity must've, uh, must've been warmed by, <laughs> by seeing the team protect the Grosnick like that. Yeah, of course it did. It, it makes me wonder, you know, why they can't do that for quick more often. I feel like uh, I'm on it. I mean, come on. Like, I feel like yeah. there's so many nights where like he gets, he gets hung out to dry and, and, you know, I, I think he's still a capable goaltender, but he's just not getting the support in front of him from one night to the next. Now, again, I, I see, I, you knew what right. I was going to do. Right. You knew what I was going to do. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Stay positive. Well, listen, I'll force you to do that because we're going to go to the play of the series and the player of the series. Jack, I'll start out with you. Two games against Anaheim, an overtime loss, but they score five goals and then a win. They score five goals. What was the play of the series for you? 
play of the series. Well, I'll take the um, the second goal by Kempe in uh, the second game. Okay. Uh, that would be the Lazat turnover more, and then in front of the net, Kempe goes hard and, and banks it in uh, far side. So, I mean, it was impressive. It was, you know, just after they had their, you know, their wheels deflated after giving up a goal, you know, at 10 seconds after making it 2-0. So to get that out to a a two-goal lead again kind of helped solidify the night, and they were able to go off into the the beautiful land after that. Carl, how about you? The play of the game for me is the second goal the Kings scored today. That was the power play goal by Kopitar to make it 2-0. The reason, and I touched on it earlier, is because right before that goal, you were getting that sinking feeling that I mentioned, right? Uh, And I think Jim Fox straight up says that two power plays the Kings couldn't score. There was a breakaway by Kopitar that he couldn't lift the puck. There was a post by Brown uh, right in front of the net. And and you got that feeling like this should be a three, nothing game. And these chances might not come again. Kopitar scores off a beautiful pass by Dowdy. He's been doing that a lot lately huh? on the power play, finding the seams. Um, Great to see. And Kopi absolutely one time clap bombs that, you know, no one's stopping that puck. And then the Ducks score. But by that time, I think, you know, that was that was kind of the turning point of the game for me. I saw your smirk there, Vardy. <laughs> All right. What was the play of the series, Vardy? I'm going to I'm going to go off the board here. I'm going to say uh, uh, Andreas Athanasiu's oh, yeah. goal in the first game. Yeah. The million deke goal. Beautiful. <laughs> Wait, um, let me ask you real quick. Was it seven or was it eight? Does the final move that, that is the shot, does that count in the sequence? That's that's not the, no. the final move is the shot. Everything up to that is the deke. Okay. So I would the, say seven. The Mighty Ducks has taught us, Jesse, that triple deke, baby. <laughs> right. No, I, I say it's that one because um I feel like you know he's he's really settled in and I think he's become a really strong contributor to the offense and he's willing to do some things that um, I feel like a lot of guys on this team have the ability to do but they just don't have the willingness to even try and then just to see him keep trying those things and even tonight I mean he had a great game tonight he was rewarded with a goal um, obviously not not nearly to the uh, individual yeah. skill level as the no. first one but <laughs> But he, he just does stuff like that all night, man. And it, and it creates and it makes room for the people around him. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we lost that first game. But you can see the talent is there in a guy like him. It's, a, it's I, I, Every time he does something like that, it blows my mind that he, he almost didn't have a contract by the end of 2020. It's just crazy. Well, you saved us by mentioning that goal. The last series recap we did, uh, we had Trevor Rabone and, and Jack was on with me. And we, we got all the way through the podcast without mentioning the goal that Dustin Brown scored not as many dangles as that happened to see who but a few of them Um, yeah so thank you for bringing it up I'm going to actually go way off the board um, since you did mention the Athens goal I'm going to say it was Adrian Kempe's second breakaway attempt at the hat trick in the second game he didn't actually get it (laughs) but but I just love the fact that they're up five to one there's, I don't know what it was, like less than three minutes left in the game. He'd already tried once and been denied by Gibson. He's like, I'm going to go for it again. <laughs> I want this. Um, and the team was looking for him. And to me, yeah. I, I just love that, you know, they're not concerned about, you know, playing nice, right? They're going they're going for it. Um, and I think that's important. So for me, that absolutely. Was, it's about it. swagger, man. Yeah. It's about swagger. So Jack, player of the series. And like I said, I think we're all probably. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. Kempe, but honorable mention for Troy Grossnick. Getting sure. a, his first win in what, five and a half years or so? Yeah. <laughs> Cara? 
it's too easy to say can't be, isn't it? I gotta say something I, else. Say whatever you want, man. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm gonna go Kobe, man. And All right. It's just night in and night out, and it's not even about the numbers which he had in these last two games. It's not even about the timely goal which he had in this last game. To me, I am so in awe of him and Dustin Brown, night in and night out, continuing to do what they do at their age, and they're not that old, believe me, but but at their experience <laughs> level, I should say. Um, I always remember, and this is going to sound kind of dark, but I always think of that last scene in Avengers Endgame when Gwyneth Paltrow tells the Tony Stark character, like, you can rest now. <laughs> I, I look forward to the day when all the, <laughs> when everyone in the Kings organization can look at these guys and say, you can rest now. Your jersey's going in the rafters. We're going to build you a statue. Go to the front office. And, yeah, I appreciate those guys a lot, so I'm going to go with Kopi. Vardy? Uh, I'm going to go Kempi, man. I mean, when, yeah. when he's on, he's on. It's, it's, it's a beautiful sight. It's, he's just, God, can we find some consistency in that boy? Because it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbel when he's on, there's just no stopping him. And I can't, yeah, got to give it to him. That is the correct answer, uh, Carl. I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate the, the attempt to spread the love around. But no, it's Adrian Kempe with five goals against the hated uh, Anaheim Ducks. I will say, though, Carl, there, there's – I have a very similar sentiment about those players, but it's a little bit more, it's a little less morbid um, than Tony Stark dying. Um, it's, the, <laughs> it's the series finale of The Office uh, when Andy okay. Bernard is talking to the camera and he's talking about, you know. It's a tearjerker. Yeah, well, he's talking about how he loves his new job and he loves his new life, but that the best days he ever had was working for, you know, Dunder Mifflin and Scranton and, you know whatever of course he has to say that it's the show but he says you know i wish somebody would tell you when it's the golden days so that you could appreciate it and i can remember as early as 2014 before they even won the second cup saying on an episode of all the king's men like just so you're aware guys that that guys being the king's fans like these are the golden days <laughs> like you know we're not going to have these you know we're going to have this roster forever and and like you know to your point Carl, Andre kopitar is a hall of famer um, oh yeah you know Wayne Gretzky I can't remember when I most recently pointed this out but Wayne Gretzky at one point identified him as the second best player in the league behind Sidney Crosby and <laughs> I don't you know to, to, to be fair Jesse Wayne is very generous with his compliments sure as he was with his you know passing but still um I don't think there's I don't think there's a strong argument uh, against Kopitar going to the Hall of Fame, having his number retired and and being one of the best. You know, I'm not interested in ranking, um, but if you were to make you know a tier or an orbit of best centers over the last ten years or fifteen years or however long Kopitar's been in the league, like he's in it. That's that's it. I'm not, Without question, not interested in hearing otherwise. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I want to thank the Kings for winning a game that they needed to win. My God, that first. Oh, Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> I was Don't put a quarter in him. You know, I I was I was geared up, man. I was I was ready to have doom and gloom two two games in a row. But it's hard. It's hard for me to be that angry after a game like tonight. I mean the the just to dive back into it. Um, the disappointing <laughs> losses. About... Well, the disappointing yeah. losses against Minnesota to me are buttressed by the wins against St. Louis. Right. Um, but now they've got to pick up some extra points against other teams because of those two dumb losses to the Ducks. So, well, well the next six games is huge because yeah. we play Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're going to get a real idea of, you know, is 
Adrian Kempe, a, a consistent goal scorer, Vardy. And <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. we'll let anyone uh, try to yeah. figure out what we said in between the lines there. But at the same time, uh, you know, we lost a few games against some teams that we think we should have beat, i.e. Uh, a 6-5 to five loss against Anaheim. Can they, you know, go above 500 in the next six games against some teams that maybe we aren't supposed to be uh, ahead of? I guess when it comes to the end of the year. Also, Colorado lost tonight in overtime to Arizona yeah, and outshot them something like forty-four to fourteen. So they won actually. Hmm? They did win. They won in overtime. They did not lose in overtime. Oh my bad. I but still lost. giving Arizona but, a point. So. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're an yeah. ailing team, man. Their their back end is is very hurt. Um, boom. Banged up. They did yeah. get McKinnon back, which is a bummer for Kings fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, uh, the other injuries will. No, you know, we wish them well, but hopefully they'll <laughs> That's right. miss the next the next two games because we could use the help. Yeah, or as I always say when I talk to somebody from a visiting team, we wish you all the best luck in the world in non-hockey uh, arenas. <laughs> when it comes to- One <laughs> final question, though, before I let you boys go. Vardy, let's say they miss the playoffs, but they finish in fifth place. You know, like let's say they miss the playoffs and it's by a margin that you can look back on and say, had they not given up those third period leads to Minnesota and St. Louis and, you know, et cetera, like is that still a step forward in your eyes or are you just blinded by rage that they didn't have the best possible? Oh, no, no, no. This is (laughs) even, even already everything I've seen up to this point has been a step forward. I'll be, I'll be truthfully honest with you. I mean, I I feel like, you know, they're in games that sometimes they shouldn't be in. They're coming back in games that they shouldn't be in. So, but the problem for me is that I, that ends up frustrating me even more when they give up, points in games that I think they should win you know I could almost tolerate it better if if they're just garbage from the beginning and I'm like okay well (laughs) they're a young team and they're garbage but like they actually show up to these games and I know that they can win and then that's what frustrates me more than anything but as a whole I'm able to step back and look at the big picture and be like yeah this is better than last year and I see the trajectory of everything and I know where it's headed you know they raise your expectations just to knock them down exactly Exactly. I I think that's my I think that's the justification for my preferring an eight to nothing loss to a three to two loss where you three to two yeah, over. Yeah. Like, cause you're just like, you just say like, all right, whatever they lost. They weren't in it. Who cares? Um, right. Carl, if they do miss the playoffs, like I said, but they finish in fifth by just a, the slightest margin, you know, how do you grade that? It is all about the journey. It is not about the destination. This season. <laughs> right. I'm telling you. Oh, it's he's absolutely- so wise. <laughs> <laughs> the gray in my beard is not for nothing my friend but no it, it truly this is this season my mentality has been that as a fan from day one like enjoy the process enjoy the call-ups enjoy watching Gabe Velarde develop enjoy watching Cal Peterson start taking the steps to be the number one goaltender if they miss the playoffs I will not be upset straight up there's nothing it's not that my expectations were so low it's just I knew that this isn't the time for it. Like it's, it's the same thing as when you read a rumor about, oh, the Kings should get J- Jack Eichel. No, they shouldn't. They should not be getting Jack Eichel right now because they're not there yet, in my opinion. Uh, so they're still trying to get to that point where making the playoffs actually means a whole lot. And and if 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 they were to get in this year and they were to squeak in, I again, I don't think this is the time for this team yet. So I'm enjoying what's happening in terms of development. I'm enjoying the growth of these players and playoffs or not, man, uh, my frustration level will remain low this season. 
Jack, before the season, you said it, I said it, Jim Fox said it, everybody said it, right? Colorado, Vancouver, St. Louis, we all expect those teams to make it. Then it's Vancouver. Like, did I say Vancouver? Sorry. <laughs> Colorado, Colorado St. Louis, and Vegas. Sorry. Long um, division. Those are the three teams we expect to make it. And then the question was, of the five remaining teams, have any of them established themselves as serious contenders? The answer before the season, no. Obviously, now your Minnesota Wild look like the best i mean they're they look scary good i was getting annoyed at how easily they were handling vegas um tonight but but like i said if the kings miss the playoffs and if it's because minnesota established themselves as a legitimate contender that's got to be a, a step in the right a huge step huge 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 step in the right direction yeah oh absolutely i mean i think both uh you know vardy and carl have touched on it i think any you know successes and positives you can take you know, from, you know, obviously from the season that we've had so far, but anything that goes beyond what we've seen is something that we should all be happy with. You know, none of us, again, necessarily thought that the Kings were going to be in the playoffs. You know, it was always like, well, maybe, but it would take, you know, some real luck and some real standout play from multiple people. And uh, that goes just beyond, you know, the core that, that we've had for the last 10, 15 years. And you know, for the Kings to be able to be in the position they are in right now, I think we should all be extremely satisfied with the positives that we've seen. And while, you know, the expectations do rise and they get knocked down a little bit every time we, you know, lose six, five in overtime to Anaheim, we have to remember where we were at the beginning of the year. And there's a lot of prospects. There's a lot of young bodies that are still going to see their first NHL games this year because we have to figure out who's going to be, you know, in a Kings uniform come next year. And uh, we've all referred to this as the 56 game tryout for a lot of guys. And I think, you know, a lot of guys still haven't had that tryout yet. So it's, there's a lot of moving pieces. Do I expect us to make the playoffs? Not necessarily, but I expect them to be right up there at the end of the year. And they've definitely proven so far that they're definitely not in the bottom, you know, seventh and eighth spots uh <laughs> thus far so i expect the the positives to continue but you're definitely going to see some head scratches as well well hopefully if it wasn't for that dang kirill kaprizov we might yeah. be in the playoffs i'll tell you that much um, i i kind of like him guys. i like he's amazing he's, he's right. amazing he's <laughs> well look hopefully the kings can remain within striking distance because the next time they play the ducks i think they have them five out of seven games and four in a row or something like that. I haven't glanced. That'd be helpful. So yeah, hopefully they can uh, nail down that consistency. They can sort out the lineup issues. Hopefully Jared Anderson Dolan is healthy. And obviously we hope Cal Peterson is doing well. We didn't really touch on the fact that he was in COVID protocol. So we hope the best for him. Caro and Vardy, thank you so much for joining me again. If you want to hear more from them, you can check out the Bannerman podcast, follow them on Twitter. They're uh, diehard Kings fans and uh, longtime Kings fans. They know their stuff. So check them out. Jack, thanks as always for joining me. Anytime. And thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.